5, 1787, the delegate, delegates at the Constitutional Congress were kind of at an impasse. Uh, since, since the month of May, they've been working together, they've been laboring together, trying to figure out the best way to govern our country. And so they had worked, and, and they were trying to come up with a constitution. The problem was they couldn't agree on how that should look. And because of that, there was, there was arguing, there was bickering, there was fighting. And so finally, one of the founders, Benjamin Franklin, decided that they needed some divine intervention. So at the, at the convention, Benjamin Franklin stood up and he made a speech, and he spoke eloquently for a while, and he spoke of their need for divine wisdom from above and, and how they needed God's help. And he finished with these lines. He said, I therefore beg leave to move, in other words, I make a motion, that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business, and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. Uh, as, I, as I read Benjamin Franklin's uh, words, uh, just the, the, the early part of our, our nation's history, I thought of the ACLU. Can you imagine what they would have said? I guess Benjamin Franklin didn't understand uh, their idea of the separation of church and state. But more importantly, Franklin realized that we need some divine help sometimes. We need wisdom from heaven, heavenly wisdom. And so he asked and he made a motion that, that, that prayers be offered up for God's help. I tell you today, we need that same type of help. We don't need, the, we, we don't need wisdom for the same purpose. We're not making a constitution. And it's not going to come maybe in the same way. But we all have, we all have need of some, some divine counsel. We all have things in, in our lives that are too big for us, things that we just can't figure out on our own. And that was the case with Daniel in Daniel chapter 2, which is where we're going to be today. If, if you've not turned there, please uh, turn to Daniel 2. And in our text, Daniel's literally presented with a life and death matter that demanded divine wisdom. He prayed for it, and he got it. And just like Daniel, when we need wisdom, we need to ask God for it, because God delights in giving that to his children. So if you would, at Daniel chapter 2, and verse 1. It says, Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time, inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm, uh, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who could declare the matter to, for a king, inasmuch as no great king or, or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, 
and there is no one else who declare it to the king except gods, those dwelling, uh, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Daniel replied with, dis with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Now I just want to uh, make a note here in verse 14. It says, captain of the king's bodyguard. Um, the wording is actually um, the chief butcher. Okay, and it's not, it's not like the butcher, like I'm going to butcher a cow. You've seen the uh, you've seen the old movies where the guy comes out with the hood on and the big axe, and he's always, he's he's the guy that's real good at chopping people's heads off. That's this guy. He is the best of the best. He is in charge of putting people to death. So the king is sending the best killer that he has to put these guys to death. So he comes to to Daniel, and uh, and Daniel uh, replied with with the sermon, verse fourteen. Verse 15, he said to Arioch, the king's command, uh, to the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they might request compassion from, God of, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and epochs, who removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we have requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Now, I want to draw out of this out of this account lessons about getting wisdom from God, wisdom from heaven, heavenly wisdom. And the first thing that I, I see in this is that we need to recognize wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. Now these wise men of Babylon, they were presented with a humanly impossible situation because the king said, I want you not only to tell me an interpretation of the dream, but also tell me what the dream is. Now interpreting dreams was a, a, a pretty common thing back then. The wise men would do it. Even today, uh, if you have a dream... You can Google it, and, and you can find all sorts of websites that will give you an interpretation of the dream. The king was not content with that. He didn't just want an interpretation. He said, I want to know what, what the dream actually was. And we don't know exactly why he did this. Uh, some of the ancient manuscripts say that uh, ha have him saying, the thing has gone away from me or has gone out from me. And so some people have taken that to mean the king knew he had a dream. He ever woke up and he said, man, I, I know I had some kind of a weird dream last night. And I don't know what it was, but, man, if I could just, it, something needs to trigger. And if I could just get one little part of it, I could remember that, that whole dream. And so some people think that the king had actually forgotten it. And if your Bible's like mine, uh, the heading over chapter 2 actually says the king's forgotten dream. So maybe he had forgotten what the dream was. And he says, guys, you have to tell me what the dream is. 
because I want to know what, what I dreamed. Other people have looked at this and said, no, that's not the, that's not the reason, and, I, and I'm, I'm more of this opinion. But it seems that the king had grown suspicious of these wise men, especially if you look at the end of, of, uh, of verse 9. He says, tell me, the, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. In other, in other words, as one commentator put, uh, he, he, wanted know, he doubted their ability to tell the future if they could not recall the past. And so maybe he was, he, he was saying, I'm not going to believe what you say unless you can tell me what I've dreamed. The, the proof is in the pudding. And I think that's probably more what was happening. But he put, them, he, he put, he put a test to them. And the wise man correctly said, you know what? We can't do that. Nobody could do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, Todd couldn't do it. Scarlett couldn't do it. Nobody could do it because that has to come from God. Now, of course, they didn't know the God of heaven. We do. And Daniel did, but they didn't know that. Now, all through the Old Testament especially, we see that God is the source of wisdom. We see that He's the one that bestows wisdom on people. He, does anybody know who Bezalel is? Bible trivia. Bezalel, in, in the Old Testament, when, uh, when God told Moses, He said, I want you to make a tabernacle, and this is the way I want it to look, they had to have somebody to build it. And so the Bible says that, that God chose a man by the name of Bezalel, and he gave him a spirit of wisdom, and he was able to do all kinds of, all kinds of craftsmanship. Another, another person that we see that got wisdom from God, of course, was Solomon. You remember Solomon, God came to him in a dream and said, ask me anything you want. He said, I want to have wisdom. And so, so God gave him wisdom. Uh, the Bible says that Joshua had a spirit of wisdom. The Bible teaches that God is the, is the source of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Job 28 has a great passage about it. And, and in Job 28 it says, But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. Deep says it's not in me, and the sea says it's not in me. And he goes on to talk about how, how wisdom is precious, it can't be bought, we, we, can't, we can't spend money on it, it's more valuable than gold. And then it finishes up by saying, and, and to man, he being God, to, to man God said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. In other words, God is the source of wisdom, and it all comes from Him. And if you look at verse 22, it, that's what Daniel says. It says that God dwells, that light dwells with Him. He's the one that sheds light in those dark areas of our lives. So we need to recognize first that wisdom comes from God, and then we need to pray for that wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. It's not enough to say God has it, but we should say, I want some of it too. Now talk about wisdom. What, what am I talking about? Well, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge so that we can live according to God's plan for our lives. To say it another way, it's the knowledge and living out of the conditions for godly living. I went to SBU, as you guys know, and it's, it, it's interesting because in a Christian college, many times they open and close the class in prayer. It's like being in a church service every, every time you go to class. And so they would open and close uh, classes in prayer, and they would pray for us, the professors would, before we took a test. And it was interesting because our prayers were much different from their prayers. 
Our prayers as students were things like, Oh gracious, Heavenly Father, fount of all knowledge, please bestow upon me some of your divine wisdom. Help me to understand the test. Help me to know the answers. I know I didn't study last night, Lord, but please just download the information into my brain. Amen. Now, the professors, they never prayed like that. They would always pray things like, help them to recall what they've studied. And that's, that's good, but you know what? Uh, that's not the kind of prayers that we were praying. They recognized that, that wisdom is not just facts. Now, I do think that God helps you with those things sometimes. I'm convinced of it because some people are really smart, like Scarlett. She, she graduated summa cum laude, you know, with highest honors. Some people like me graduated de gratia, by the grace of God. You know, I, I'm convinced that God helps us with those things, but that's not the wisdom that we're talking about. We need to recognize the wisdom comes from God, and we need to ask God to give us that wisdom. But it's not enough to say, oh, God, give us wisdom. We need to pray in faith. We need to really believe that God's going to do it. Daniel had that kind of faith. What did he do when, when, when he found out that Nebuchadnezzar was going to put them all to death? What did he say? He said, Nebuchadnezzar, can, can I have some time because I'll get you your answer. That's, that's faith. He said, I'll get you your answer. Just give me some time. Let me talk to God about it. Now, in a perfect world, when we're presented with a, a, a problem, we would have time to go off, get by ourselves, have on some quiet music, pray, get God's answer, pray some more, make sure that we have God's answer, and then be fully convinced that we've got the right, the right answer, and then move ahead. Isn't that what we would do? But we don't have that most of the time. Most of the time, we have a situation where we have to say, God, please, please help me make the right choice. And that's it. The, the, the issue is forced sometimes. And when that, when that happens, we need to, to ask God for wisdom and trust that He's going to give us the wisdom that we need. Now, if you have a, a pen or, or, or pencil handy, you might jot these next things down. How does God give us wisdom? Does He say, Choose Monday? Does He say, Answer C? No, He doesn't do that. How does God give us wisdom? Well, I think through three eyes. Three eyes. First, through illumination. Illumination. What does it mean to illuminate something? It means to shed light on something. So what happens is the Spirit of God will shed light on the Word of God. So what, what I mean is sometimes we'll be faced with something and we'll say, boy, maybe the answer to this is found in the Bible. And we'll open up the Word of God and we'll begin to read. And we'll, we'll be praying and ask God to... to to help us understand what we should do. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate the Word of God. He'll illumine our minds. And, and so we'll see something, and we'll see how a verse applies to our situation. Maybe we've read it a thousand times before, but all of a sudden we say, Aha! That's how this intersects with my life. And when we're, when we're faith, faced with situations, sometimes we don't have a Bible handy. Sometimes we don't have opportunity to, uh, to, to go and, and, and to pray. But instead, sometimes he'll bring scriptures that we've read, scriptures that we've memorized, sermons that we've heard. He'll bring those things to mind. And, and all of a sudden, those things that we've read in the past, God will bring to mind, and, uh, and we'll be able to know what God wants us to do. So the first thing is illumination. David said in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light to my path. Now, I just want to give you a, a kind of a heads up or a warning. God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to His Word. So, for instance, if you think that God is telling you to, uh, to lie, that's not God telling you to do that. If you think God's telling you to, to, to steal or to break His commandments, that's not God telling you to do it. That's, that's your own mind. The second eye is through our inclinations. Our inclinations. What I mean by that is that God will change our desires. He inclines our hearts to do His will. Now, of course, that happens in sanctification where God's making us more like Him. And we want to do more and more what God wants. But, uh, but more specifically, he'll, he'll change our desires on a specific uh, area. For instance, and I know I've talked about adoption a lot, but adoption is kind of a big thing in our lives right now. And so, if you would have told us, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, one of these days you're going to have gone through the foster care system, you're going to have adopted a little girl, you have gone through all these things that you've gone through, we would have told you, you're nuts. Here's why. We didn't used to want kids. We didn't have any desire for kids. We wanted to live our lives. We liked going on vacations. And we weren't, you know, we didn't, we didn't shun people who had kids, but we just weren't ready for them. We didn't, we didn't have a desire to be parents, and that's okay. But you know what? Not too long after we came to the church, God began to place a desire on our hearts for kids. And, and before too long, we really wanted to have a kid. But God didn't give us the ability to have kids. And so then it's like, well, what do we do now? So then step by step, God has led us to where we are today. And so now we're happy as can be. We've got an adopted daughter. And if you would have told us however many years ago you would have done that, we would have said no. God has changed our desires. He changes our inclinations. And he'll do that with you guys too. And the last thing is through the input of others. We've had uh, illumination, inclinations, and input. In other words, it's wise to get counsel, to get advice from trusted, godly people. That's how God will lead us many times. Now, uh, it, you know, Proverbs eleven fourteen. it says that, that where there's no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there's victory. Now, we have to be careful who we get input from. Because if you get input from somebody that doesn't know God, if you get input from somebody that's too close to the situation or maybe they're just not wise, then you're, you're asking for trouble. Get somebody that's trusted, somebody that's godly, and get their input. They're not always going to have the right answer, but many times they will. So we need to recognize that wisdom comes from God. We need to ask God for that wisdom. And the last thing that I see in this text is that we need to seek the prayers of others. So Daniel goes, he, he finds out, if you don't, uh, if, if I, you guys are going to be put to death. And Daniel says, now, King, can I have some time? I'll get you the answer. And he says, yeah, you can have it. He goes home, what's the first thing that he does? He has a prayer meeting. He says, hey guys, I have a prayer request. I want you to pray with me and for me. Now these guys, they had every reason to pray earnestly, didn't they? They had a close friend that asked them to. And also, if God didn't come through, they're getting their they're getting dismembered and the house was torn down. That's I would be earnest in prayer too, wouldn't you? How many times have somebody said, Hey, hey, would you pray for me about this? We say, Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And then we forget about it. I guarantee you when Daniel asked for for prayer, uh, they didn't forget about it. Now, we don't always ask for prayer. Why not? Well, sometimes we're ashamed about it. 
We're, we're ashamed of the situation. We're embarrassed. And we don't want to tell people. Or, or we don't want to be vulnerable. Or we're too proud. I, I, don't, I can pray on my own. Many times it's simply because we don't trust people. You ever done that? Well, I'd like to tell people what's going on, but I just, I just don't trust them. And that's understandable. It's, it's, it's wise to not share everything that's going on in our lives with everybody that we meet. But at the same time, we need to recognize that we, we need to have trusted friends that we can go to, we can, we can, we can voice our, our concerns about, and we can trust them to pray for us and with us. One commentator said, Praying friends are valuable friends. And that's, that's exactly right. Now, I've, uh, <laughs> I read a guy this week that he said we shouldn't ask people to pray for us. We shouldn't ask people to pray for us. And his reasoning was that prayer should come from a spontaneous something that comes up from within, from within the prayer, not from an outside request. But I disagree with him, and, and I think that we should ask for prayer, number one, because Jesus set the example. He said he, he, he prayed for people, but also he commanded us to do it too. He said, pray for your enemies. And I think that means probably our friends too. Uh, James chapter 5 says, The effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, when, when we include others, Paul talks about in the book of 2 Corinthians, he says, we need to comfort others with the comfort with which we've been comforted. In other words, when you've gone through some bad time in your life, you can take that comfort that God has given to you and you can use that to comfort others. And when we include other people in our prayers, we say, hey, would you pray for me? A lot of times, those people say, you know, I went through a situation kind of like that. And we can be comforted by them and we can comfort them with what we're going through. Um... It helps hold our arms up, so to speak. You remember in the Old Testament, there's that story where, where the Joshua's fighting the Amalekites down in the valley, and Moses is up on the mountain, and while his hands are up, they're winning. You remember that? But after a while, if you hold your arms up for a while, they start to get pretty tired pretty fast, don't they? And they start to go down, and, and as they go down, the Bible says that, that Joshua and the Israelites would begin to lose. And so Aaron and her, two of Moses' friends, they, they were up on the mountain with him. And so they held his arms up. And while they supported him, while they held his arms up, the victory was won. And there have been times in my own life when I needed somebody to hold my arms up because I was just, I just couldn't go on. I was tired. I was worn out. And having those people praying for me was a big help. And here's the most important reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 Paul's writing about all these bad things that have happened in his ministry. And he says to the Corinthian church, You also, joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf, for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. He says that, that, that the prayers of others helped them. And here's, here's why he said we should include others in our prayers. Let me, let me read the last part of that verse to you. So that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. In other words, when we have people praying for us and God answers that prayer, a lot of people are going to praise God instead of just one. And, and that's some. And, and I've I've seen this, and I know I keep going back to the adoption thing, but it's been it's been such a such a an eye opening thing for me because 
We've had people, I've seen people, whenever I told them that the adoption's gone through, that wept. They just started crying. And I, I'm not a good storyteller. It's not because I, I, I pulled on their heartstrings. It's because they were so invested, they cared, and they loved so much. Whenever, whenever they, they heard the good news, they wept. And they, thought, they, they thanked God. And they praised Him. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, include others in your prayers so when God answers, people can say, my God did that. And a lot of people can thank God instead of just you. See, he's saying that prayer is not about us. And ultimately, it's never about us. It's about God getting the glory. God's not just like a, a cosmic vending machine. Our prayer should be God-centered. God should be getting the glory. When God gives us the wisdom for a situation, He's the one that gets the glory. When other people pray, God's the one that gets the glory from more and more people. So I just want you to think about your life. Is there a situation that you're facing that you need wisdom about? And probably, maybe maybe you just came out of something and you're like, whew, thankfully no. Well, there will be something come up. But probably, when I say that, there's probably something that's in your life that you say, well, I really need God to help me in that in that place. Ask, recognize that He's the one that has the wisdom and ask Him to give you that wisdom. The book of James says that God gives wisdom to those who ask. He says that does any of you need wisdom? Let him ask God, who gives freely. Ask God for it. Believe that he's going to give it to you. He delights to do it. So how's he going to give you that wisdom? Through illumination. Read your Bible. Get that in your heart. Meditate on the Word. Get godly input from trusted friends, godly friends. And also, your inclinations. What does God want you to do in that situation? <coughs> Now, listen, I don't have all the answers to God's will for everything. I wish I did, but I don't. But one thing I do know the Bible says is God's will for us is that God's, the, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we know that God's will is for everybody to be saved. God wants that. And the way that happens is when we confess our sins, when we repent of them, and we turn to God in faith and put our faith in Christ alone for our salvation then we can be saved. And if you've not done that, you know, today is the day to do God's will in that area, to be saved.